0: Oop, that looks like it's working. Okay, we will find out tomorrow. Um, Dylan, thank you for leading. Um, I just appreciate, uh, even just looking at the songs that that people pick, I think it's interesting to see just how people's hearts are oriented, what songs um, matter to them, what what appeals to you, and just sharing that with us. Corinthians, I, th- I think it's Corinthians, talks about how we all come, when we gather together, we bring uh, gifts. We bring words of encouragement. We bring a song. We bring a prophecy, something the Lord's been just putting on your heart to share with people. Uh, and that should be normal. It doesn't have to necessarily be official at a keyboard or something that you planned or prepared necessarily. But when we come together, you come in small groups, you come meeting with people just to eat lunch, or you come to uh, a setting like this. Um, you should be thinking what is the Lord doing in your heart that you can be sharing with each other to build one another up, not just to um, to know more yourself or to seem cool, but but the Lord has given you thoughts and truths and gifts and abilities that are meant to be used in settings like this. Um, so I, I think, Dylan, you doing this and sharing worship is just is one example of, of that. And so um, thank you for doing that. I'm going to go grab—I'm missing the first page of my notes— <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I printed out two copies of my notes, so I'm good with that. <laughs> that was an accident, though. <laughs> um, so, we're starting a new series tonight that we're calling, that I'm calling, I guess, um, Are We Okay? Um, and, and as I think of that title, sort of an example that came to mind is how much I hate going to the doctor. Um, I really hate... Not, not even just going to the doctor, but like the idea of having to talk to a doctor about some sort of pain or problem that I have. Like I feel a twinge in my tooth and I'm just like, no, I'm gonna, I don't want to talk about that because probably something's wrong. Um, with teeth, I think I feel I feel like I failed somehow. I failed to brush my teeth and keep them clean and it just reminds me that my body is decaying and dying. Um, with other things, like you, you've got like a pain in your knee or your ankle hurts and uh, th- those pains are, are symptoms of something, and sometimes I just don't want to know what. I would just rather pretend it's not there and ignore it, and just keep going on my life and hoping it, it's fine. Um, the, kind of the question that comes to me as I as I'm feeling pains and symptoms like that is is am I going to be okay? What? How bad is this thing? Hopefully, it's okay. And I think we can do a similar thing kind of as we as we look at the world around us we see things that are kind of like pains problems in the world you might see things like uh discussions of whether the the election was rigged and Russia was meddling what might that mean with everything you you might see things like uh school shootings and sort of wonder what's going on with that you might see things like uh the opioid epidemic you might hear about that or Rising rates of anxiety and depression in college students. Things like racism, uh, wealth disparity, wage gap, struggles over immigration, and whether we're going to do with that and how we should talk about that. Inability to have civil political conversations. These are all pains that we can have in our world, and I think they can make us wonder. What's, what's wrong? What's the problem? How bad is it? And sometimes, like me, not wanting to go to the doctor, maybe we, we don't want to just spend our whole day thinking about how bad is all of this stuff. But, um, but tonight, I want to look at those pains and those problems in the world and, and ask the question, and through this series, are we okay? As you look around in the world and you see the problems that are going on, what's the problem? How bad is it? Should, how concerned should we be? Um, And and what, specifically, what does the Bible help us to understand about pains and symptoms like that that we see in the world? Um, So we're going to be in Romans 1, if you guys want to go ahead and open or swipe to that. And and this this first part I'm going to read is sort of a description where Paul is looking out at the world and seeing symptoms, just kind of like I was describing there. Now these aren't specific to, obviously... 21st century America, they're sort of, um, these are, are pains and problems for all times. They're, they're sort of pro- general descriptions of problems that you would see in the world. And as we read this, um, let's consider, do you see yourself, do you see the world around you that you're living in, in this description? And if so, what, what might that mean, As we're going to be thinking about. So we're going to start in verse 28, scroll down to that if you need, um, Here's what Paul writes to the, to the Romans. He says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy. Envy in your world anywhere? But about uh, when you look at Instagram? Or Rinstagram? I don't really understand how that works. I know it's not Rinstagram. rinsta and a finsta whether people are showing their real life I don't know is that the opposite that's what old people have to say to understand it but (laughs) there's you look at other people's lives and and you wonder how much of that's going on when people are are watching and comparing themselves on social media full of envy murder strife deceit maliciousness uh anybody have siblings (laughs) strife deceit maliciousness make sense um they're gossips, slanderers. You think of that, do you, do you know people that sound like that? People on your floor making conversation about people that's not always particularly kind. Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. How many conversations do you hear that, that meet those descriptions? Don't open Twitter, because then. Um, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, No comment. Uh, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. On a Friday night at Tulane, how much wisdom or foolishness do we think is happening around right now? (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. Cody's not going to the doctor either. Um, Faithless, heartless, ruthless. How how much, where would you say in our world? is loyalty. Where where does that exist today? Or where where might the description faithless, heartless, ruthless be a more commonly applicable description? Though they know God's right decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. We'll get a little more into that idea next week, but but there's an idea there that even we are conflicted about doing these things. There's a, a tension within us between what we think is right and what we want to justify. That, that there's a tension within us about what we would say is good and, and what we end up doing in our life and want to say is okay in that circumstance or in that case it, it was justified. But you look around and we can agree probably that, that these are descriptions of the world that we live in. That this, this is a fair list of symptoms that you might see in the world. But when you go to the doctor, you don't just want him to agree with your list of symptoms, right? If I go and said, doctor, I've got a pain in my ankle. And he said, yep, looks like that hurts. That doesn't, like, that doesn't do anything for me, right? Like your tooth hurts. Yep, agreed. Um... We can all agree probably on what the symptoms are, but but what you need to do when you see things like this, what you want to consider as you look at the pain in the world is not just to feel the pain, but to consider what's the root cause of that pain. Where is that what's the problem? What's the real issue? Uh, religions are are dealing with this a lot. Before they're telling you how to live, they have to identify What's the problem that they're trying to address? What's the condition of humanity that needs to be fixed, that our behaviors need to be changed? But it's not just religions that do that, actually. There's um, a lot of answers to what are the problems in the world and how can we fix them that you probably encounter in the classes that you're in. Right? There are, are what you would think of as secular answers to the problems as well. And, and if you listen... Um, and I, I think this is an interesting topic. I actually listen to lots of podcasts and stuff about about issues like this and what people are thinking. And um, as I listen to the the way that people are diagnosing the problems in the world, they're they're typically coming to one of two sort of general categories of what the problem is. right? In one sense, the problem might be some sort of disorder in the society out there. There's like a disorder in the way that we have structured the world. So uh, you you might hear about this in like your economics class where people are talking about that we have not incentivized people's behaviors in such a way that that they have outcomes or they they have actions that benefit us all. That if you need, the way to fix that problem would be to to change the incentives, right? You, You get people disagreeing about exactly how you need to do that, right? So on one side, people might say, the way to incentivize behaviors and fix problems is is with a free market, with saying let's let's make everybody work in their own best interest, and that's going to create the net most production that'll benefit everybody in general. Um, all all boats rise with with that. And on the other side, you might get people saying that no, this trickle down economics doesn't work; it just stays at the top. And if you let everybody. A free market go, then people are just going to keep the money up here. What we need to do is to figure out how to get the money that's stuck up here abro- across to everyone. The problem is that you don't, it's not being distributed appropriately. Um, so we need something like a universal basic income to make sure everybody's got um, their basic needs met. And if we can get everybody's basic needs met, that's going to eliminate lots of the problems that we have in the world. So that, that's a that's an example of a structural problem you might see in the world. You might um, just talk about unfair power structures that that it's not necessarily money but those with power and um, have have built these defenses to keep their power Um, and and we need to sort of break those down to break down barriers built on race or gender or um, who was born where who knows who and if we can just break down all those barriers give everybody an equal playing field that's going to fix all the problems. So that's that's one kind of diagnosis you might hear, or you might hear one that's more in the, the diagnosis of the way people are thinking. That the problem is somewhere in people's minds. Right? Maybe in one sense people just don't have the information they need to make good decisions. Right? If you're in a public health field, you probably hear this example. You're probably tired of hearing this solution that everything is solved first with education. We just need to, to get the information out there and that's going to help people make decisions that have better outcomes. Or you might look more at a, a chemical medical solution that that the, there's issues in the way people are thinking if we can figure out how their psychology is working or their the chemicals in their brains are working or what the, the neurons mapping, what's happening in there. If we can understand better how people's minds work and, and advance some technology to, to make them work the way they're really supposed to or that's best for people, that's going to eliminate these sort of negative behaviors and um, people are going to be able to live happier, more fulfilled lives. Now, I'm, I'm not going through the list of those things to say these are all foolish endeavors and we shouldn't work on those. I'm not gonna, that, those, are, those are all really helpful things. Right? I think we should build structures that allow human flourishing and we should have good conversations about how to do that. We should have medical advances. We should understand how the mind was created. We should educate people. All of those are good things. But when you go to a doctor to get a diagnosis... What you want that doctor to figure out is what is the root problem. But it's not enough for you to tell me that my pain is caused by this kidney's failing. I need to know why is that kidney failing. What's what's the root of all of the issues that we're seeing? That's the, if we that's the thing that's causing all these problems. And as I listen to people talk about a bunch of the problems I just talked about, and and really critically, some of the best thinkers that are really wanting to help people, really trying to figure out how can we deal with these symptoms and get rid of this pain, how can we, what are the best ideas we have to address those things? The people that I hear talk the best about those things will often get to this point where they, they're kind of looking at a problem and looking at the solutions and pushing back and challenging this, and, and you can kind of hear in their voice start to wonder, is this going to work? Based on the, the people that I really know, the real people that I have experiences with, and the real the real things that I've seen tried and the real stories that I've listened to and the questions that, that you do and don't have answers to how, how we can do things, is is any of those solutions going to be enough to get rid of the problems that we're seeing in the world? They might help. it might fix this. But it, at the end of the day, if we did all these things, is that going to be enough to fix the problem? And I think that's because, or, or Paul would say, that's because the, the problem's deeper than all of those things. The problem, there's, a, there's another level down from all the, the, the things that you're looking at. If you noticed in that passage that I read, 28 through 32, the symptoms that he described, he started it off with a, with a because, this statement. He said, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, that's that's the root cause that Paul is identifying. He's actually started with that a few verses earlier. Um, we'll, we'll read that to you. That, that what does it mean to not acknowledge God? He he's given that explanation, and so now he's kind of saying, like, and these are all the things you're observing because of that. Um, if you go back up to verse eighteen, eighteen through twenty-three, this is how Paul describes the root problem of humanity. He says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men literally the the not rightness that we have within us. This is this is the problem he's going to describe. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived So what's the problem of humanity? What, what's the root cause that Paul is proposing here? It's that, that we don't acknowledge God, that we suppress the truth that God is God, that we don't honor him as God, that we've exchanged him, we've taken him out of the place of God and put other lesser created things in that place. That we, that we should have looked around at this world That we just showed up in and said this had to come from somewhere. This had to be something. These other people around here seem to have just showed up here just like that. Someone had to have created this that has a purpose and a reason for this that we're supposed to find and orient our lives around. And instead we said I'm just going to put something else there. I'm going to figure out what I think this life is supposed to be about. And we don't acknowledge him as God. We don't honor him that way. We've we've oriented our lives. We, we are worshiping something else, right? And that's a, he doesn't say the word worshiping here, but I think that's a, a summary to, to put all of what he means it would be to honor God, to acknowledge him, right? And worship is not just the thing that you do on Sunday morning. It's not just something that you might, uh, ancient people might have just sort of Danced around, sacrificed things, and wore funny things in their head. Like, that's, that's, those, there's expressions of worship where we orient ourselves rightly and remind ourselves how we are supposed to stand before God. But worship is really more of a, a whole life. How have you lived your life? What have you built your life, oriented yourself around, and are trying to find ultimate satisfaction in? I think a, an illustration of, of the way that we, try to f- we might try to find satisfaction in something else. Um, I think there's a lot of things that fit that. W- one that comes to mind, I kind of use this illustration, is some of you might know I like board games. Um, and in me, there's, an, there's a, a feeling that there has to be a perfect board game. That somewhere out there, there has to be a game that would be fun for just about everyone. That would be really hard to find anywhere. But um, the game that would be fun for most people, that would have a really good theme, that would have a, a good amount of kind of uh, interesting things happen. You could play it over and over again. It would have some strategy, so you could feel like you were getting really good at this. Um, I just feel like that should exist, and I've never found it, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm on a quest for a perfect board game. All right, and this, maybe this is a silly example, but imagine if I started to live my whole life trying to find this perfect board game, as if, as if finding this perfect board game was going to be how I satisfied, was like the pinnacle of my life. That I, I started to spend a lot of money buying, trying different board games. I spent my time uh, with people who like to play board games, so I kind of changed who my friends were, changed how I spent my time, changed, maybe I ended up becoming a board game designer, which is a career that blows my mind. Um, and... And so I'm just trying to build this perfect board game. And so I begin to orient my life around the idea that a perfect board game would satisfy me. Right? That, in that moment, I would be worshipping board games. I would be saying that the purpose of my life is to find a perfect board game. That's where my ultimate satisfaction is. And, and all of my life now has come to live for a board game. Right? Maybe there are people that have done that, but that's probably not what you would be living your life for. But when we replace God, when we put something in the place of who, where God is supposed to be, that's what we do. And and as modern people, many of us who probably don't even barely believe in the supernatural at all, we're not going to put some, um, he lists things like images of animals and and birds, but you're probably not going to make that the thing you orient your life around because we don't even believe the world works that way. Um, but you're going to put something that seems a lot more normal in that place. Tim Keller's got a book um, called Counterfeit Gods in which he identifies some things that, that we in a modern culture would put in the place of God. And, and they're very normal things. He would say you, you might put something like money in the place of God. Obviously not just the paper, but the, the thing that money can buy. Um, the trips you could go on with money, the clothes you could have, the, the car and the house and the status that money could bring. The pleasure you could get just by having money and never having to worry about um, anything, anything, because you could just buy anything, fix anything. Some people might orient their life around something like, like love. Not just a, a song or an idea about love, but, but finding some people in your life that are going to love you the way that, that you feel somewhere in you, you need to be loved. You try to find satisfaction in um, just a perfect group of friends or a romantic relationship or having a, a family, with a relationship with your parents, a relationship with your kids that just looks a certain way. You begin to orient your whole life that this is the purpose of what I'm living for. This is the thing that I need more than anything else. Or success, maybe you just want to go to sleep at night knowing you made a difference in the world. your life mattered, you you did something great. however you define success in that way, you begin to live as if that is the thing that matters more than anything else. And when we do that, when we we live our life in a way that worships something other than god that 's what Paul is saying is the problem with humanity, is that we have all done that. We all are living for something other than God. And the problem with that is that none of those things is God. None of those things can satisfy you the way that God was meant to. The way that living a life, the way God has said, finding your joy in Him, loving Him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength was meant satisfy and be the purpose of your life. And because of that, it says he's given us over to all of these problems, which in in some ways, it's a little more complicated than this probably, but in some ways, that list of symptoms is a natural result of living your life for something lesser than God because those things can't satisfy you. And so what you do, in, in my illustration with a board game, right? I'm never going to find a perfect board game, right? That doesn't exist. (laughs) The problem is people don't like board games as much as me. Like that's, you know, know, (laughs) I'm never going to find a game that everyone's going to play that's perfect that I'm going to leave and be like, ah, that was my, that was the point of my life, right? You can't do that. But if I live after it as if it needs to, I'm going to get more and more desperate. I'm going to squeeze harder and harder out of this game and that game. I'm going to just try to grab hold of this thing, and I'm probably going to look around at other people and wonder, have they figured out something about life that I haven't? That's envy. I'm going to start to be resentful and tear down the ways that people are living in their life because, because th- this has to be the right way. This is where I put all my eggs in this basket and your basket's stupid. Malice. Gossip. Slander. Think about the people in your life you know that have problems. Think about your own life. How many of the problems in their life are because they're trying to get satisfaction out of something that they can't get it from? Out of a person, out of a spouse, out of a kid, out of a job, out of money. It never satisfies them. They never have enough. And because of that, they keep tearing up their life in different ways. I know some people don't think that the supernatural explanation for the problems in the world is sufficient, that that can explain all the list of things that I said, right? Maybe you've got roommates or, or friends or, or you're doubting me right now, that I'm saying that, that this can be an explanation for all the problems in the world. Why do we need to, to add this, this supernatural, we were supposed to live for God, but don't we know enough now to say we don't, we don't need that explanation? We we've got all these other things that, that can be the problem. And I, I think the idea that, that I'm adding something to the conversation, that, that we have this base set of facts that we all agree on about how the world works and how, what we know about psychology and what we know about economics, and then I just bring this like, weird, supernatural idea onto it to try to explain problems. That's, I think that's how it feels, right? That, that's kind of how... But th- that's, that's not really true. Right, we agree on the symptoms. I'll, I'll give you that. We have a we have a base set of like we can all observe the world and see the problems in a pretty similar way. But, but when you get into what's causing those problems, what you've really got is you've got a room full of doctors, each with a different explanation. Right, you've got your economist and you've got your your um, psychologist, a real doctor. Um, you've got your Uh, public health person, you've got your environmentalist, you've got your political scientist, and you've got your pastor over on the end. And they've all got a different explanation for what's causing the problems in the world. And none of them can be proven more right or wrong than the other one. All of them are bringing assumptions and ideas and beliefs and an understanding of how they think the world works to what's this problem. Not one of them has more solid evidence that this is definitely how the world works. If they did, we'd probably have fixed more of the problems than they do by now. All of them have the same amount of belief and uncertainty about what the problems are in the world. I would submit to you that the way that you should evaluate their different claims on what the problem with the world is is not which one feels weirder, but which one better explains your experience with real people in your life. Which one of those seems to, their explanation makes sense of why things do and don't fix the problem? Of the problems that people have, of the heart conditions, of the the, the root problem and the symptoms. That's, that's, I think, a better evaluation. C.S. Lewis said that he believed Christianity not just because... Um, it made sense, but because by it he could make sense of the world. And for those of us who who do believe this, who do understand that this, this is the way that God has said the world to be, this is the problem with humanity. We agree with Paul's diagnosis of the problem here. That, that our problems that we had were that we had lived for something else. We put something else at the center of our life and, and then we had abandoned God and we needed to be restored to that through Jesus. How many of the pains and the problems and the symptoms in your life right now are because you've gone back to trying to get satisfaction out of something you can't get it from? And not just silly things like like the Netflix show that you hope is great or board games or um, what you get to do on a Friday night. Um, but of the things you would orient your life around, the big things in your life. Where are you trying to get satisfaction out of your grades or the GPA of the career that that might lead to? Big, important relationships in your life. An idea of what your life needs to look like 5, 10, 20 years from now. That you're maneuvering your life to try to get to this place And it's that maneuvering and the fear that you're not going to get there and the stress of trying to work that way because you need this to satisfy your life. How much of the pains and the symptoms in your life does that explain? We know there's better than this. We know our satisfaction can be found only in God. Only in one place. And the one who promises that at His right hand is joy forevermore. We need this reminder. This is not just to explain to the world what their problems are. This is our problem. This is what our hearts are still tempted to do. And this is what we need the gospel to still bring us back from. This is our hope and our joy. Amen. this is also basically the question on your sheet. So um, I'm going to pray to close this out and then we'll spend about 10 minutes talking at your tables um, and then I've got a few announcements. So, Lord, we thank you for the accuracy with which you understand our hearts, Father. That when we come to you, when we read your word, when we pray, Lord, how often do I hear your voice telling me, David, your problem today is that you want this. Or you've forgotten that. Lord, you know me. Lord, you know everyone in this room, Lord. And I pray that you would just be pointing to us to show us where we have believed something that is not true where we are living for something less than the good you have for us and Lord thank you that you bring us back from that that you are not far and distant and high and inaccessible when we fail and stumble but that you are not unable to sympathize with us because you identified with us in Christ Lord help us to believe what is true to understand better who you are Lord, walk with us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, I'm going to forget how to turn this off. You guys have questions.